Grace and peace upon you, Fresno First family. Good morning. So I got a revelation for everyone. And I want you to realize that you have survived every single day of your entire life. 100%. And you have survived every tragedy, every occurrence, and every problem in your life. 100% if you're sitting here today. Amen. See, we worship a mighty God that loves us and wants to protect us, wants us to grow in his care, and wants us to defend us. We have a God that supplies us with his people and with his spirit. And he promises us and he fulfills his promise. And he has our best interests at heart even when we don't. Thanks be to God. And if you remember, today's the last Sunday of the month, so it's Family Sunday. And uh, with that, we're going to have prayer and praises. We also are going to have uh, pizza and prayer afterwards. So hang out, have some pizza while we fellowship and we continue our time of prayer and worship. And if you're new, we welcome you. And we're excited to worship with you. This is a blessing. And if, you're, if possible, we just ask you to fill out a connection card. And so... Uh, we can keep you connected and up to date on all the latest and greatest and, and, uh, and stay, stay in touch. And with that, uh, let's, go to the, let's go to God as his people love. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are God. You are creator. Lord, you watch over us and you stand between us and all that you would be in the way of our relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for, <clears throat> for the fact that we're alive today. Lord, we thank you that you've seen us through all the problems in this world. And, and we also thank you that you are greater than any obstacle that we can come, that comes before us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to fix our eyes and our gaze upon you and forgive us when we take our eyes off you and help us to forgive others when they lead us away from you. Allow you to be our greatest influence. Allow you to be our inspiration and our hope and our purpose and identity in life. Lord, I ask that you watch over and, and please minister through your spirit. All that have gathered here, those that are on vacation and or, or sick and, and can't be here today, Lord, and, and you attend to us with your healing presence, spiritually, physically, 
emotionally and mentally. Lord, we surrender all we are and all we have to you. And we thank you for this day that we can gather to worship you, our mighty God. And we pray in the name of Christ and all of God's. Amen. If you would, would you please stand as we enter into worship in song? You know, Jesus asked what the greatest commandment is. Anybody know what the greatest commandment is? Yes, Mary. Amen. So let's just sing about that. Love the Lord.
I wonder what would happen if we, we lived into that song every second of every day for 24 straight hours. You think it would make a huge difference in the way and in which we look at the world, in which we pray, in which we embrace life and engage others? Yeah. Because God's love, it makes all the difference in our life. It's through God's love that that he sent his son. It's through God's love that we have salvation. It's, it's through God's love that we even have a king. How great is our God? It's unimaginable.
Heavenly Father, we come before you with this, the sweetness of spirit and praise and worship. We recognize your presence, and we ask you enliven our hearts as we continue to worship you with all that we are, all that we have been, and all we'll ever become. Amen. You may be seated. And so it's, as we know, it's Family Sunday, and with that, we have an opportunity to to praise and, and to pray to God of all those things that have been happening in the past month. And uh, next week, we'll have them out here, and so we can all pray and praise God together for, for the, the next, next month. month. So, so with that, does anybody have anything that they would like to praise God for over the last month? share the praises I have and all your prayers I'm grateful for. We have a court date, October 11th. Woo! Awesome! That's huge. Yes, Pastor? You know, the two most memorable spiritual events in my life were in 1957 and 1959. And those moments are very precious in my memory. But that's all old news. What's important is today. Today, I am living in a rich, wonderful, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior who gave his life, loved me, and gave himself for me. Praise his name. This is for Sue, it's coming from her. Uh, Friday she called me and she said, we have a prayer request, it's really important. And she was pretty upset and emotional about it. And it's been quite a while, those of you who've been helping to pray for it, about this pain pump and all the problems that, pain, that Sue has had, it's been up and down. And trying to get MRI scheduled, it's, it's just been a nightmare. And Carolyn and Anita have helped her, been right beside her through this whole time. But it's still not over. And Sue needed a special doctor, a pain doctor, that could administer all her needs with this pain pump. And her names were given to her, and they weren't accepting new patients. Or they weren't accepted by the... Um, so Sue had been living with this, and it was just really getting to her. So we decided that we would put this on the prayer chain for Saturday morning. But in the meantime, we said, you have to give this to God. And it was like, it's so big, it's just, I, I can't do that in myself. So we prayed about that. And prayed that God would give her peace, even though the situation wasn't taken care of. And we pray that God would take care of this, that there's got to be somebody who will take responsibility to find this doctor that would be approved. Saturday morning, we called, and I was just getting ready to make prayer chain calls, and she said, God has already answered. Well, he hasn't answered, but he has. And I go, huh? And now I'm confused. She said, first of all, I had a good night's sleep. God gave me peace. The second thing, she received a call from a lady in, at the doctor's office that said, 
we're take, I'm going to take responsibility, and I am going to find you that doctor. You see, we prayed, who do we go to now, that God would give her the person? There she was on the phone before we had a chance to make the prayer calls. So this is a praise. And it hasn't been answered, a part of it did. She's at peace now. And we, she will need our prayers so that she can continue to let God. But God has already picked the person that's going to help. And that was one of the wonderful ways that he gives affirmation to us that, yes, he heard our prayer. So I didn't get to make the prayer request. I got to make the praise, and I'm so thankful for that. Thanks, Jimmy. Anybody else have any uh, praise they'd like to praise God about? Yes, Nolan. All right, buddy. You got Scooby-Doo. Yes. <laughs> right there. I agree. You got that, right, Timmy? Ask Nolan later. <laughs> Anybody else have any praise like to praise God? Yes, Mary. Well, I want to share two scriptures. Uh, Two scriptures that's really meant a lot to me lately, and that's uh, Romans 8 is one of them, the whole chapter. And then the Lord's Prayer, and not, not the one that we quote all the time, but Jesus' Prayer, the one in John 17. And I think that's really an important scripture. Uh, and we've been, been thinking about our nation and how we want godly leadership and we need to us as christians we need to pray and seek god's face and turn from any wicked way that that god shows us and uh, and he wants to heal our land and we really need to do that as church people as godly people we need to do that thank you mary we always need to pray for our leaders anybody else oh yes carrie This has been kind of a up and down month sometimes, but um, early in the month, my pump went out in my well, and I was without water for four days um, when it was 116, which doesn't do well for my young fruit trees or my garden or me. But um, thank you for people who prayed and helped me out there, and also for the Reyes, who brought me 15 gallons of water because when your well goes out and you live out in the country, you can't even flush your toilet and that's pretty disgusting. So that was very much appreciated. Um, and I'm thankful for my grandchildren. Thank you. I have good grandchildren. And I'm glad they're in church with me. I'm, praise God for that. Hi. Some of you know me, some of you don't. I'm Wendy, but I just want to be thankful for um, the fact that I'm here today. Yay! <laughs> and I'm thankful for the fact that you're here and Shelly's here, and I've prayed for this church for so long to have them bring a leader that can hopefully turn this thing around, and um, it's going to take a little bit. It's going to be a hard job for you, but we know you could do it. 
And I know that I, I'm, I don't want to speak for everybody, I'll just speak for myself. I know you can do it. I know you and Shelly can do it. And that this church can be turned around. And it, it, it just takes somebody with a lot of ambition, and I think you have it. So we're, we're grateful to have you. And I'm grateful to be here to listen to you preach today. Thanks, Wendy. And we're just trusting Jesus. Well, the Mounts are, are in unusual uh, situations, but God is grace, is great, and he's merciful. Um, we are actually going to be moving, but like we do everything else, it's going to be kind of strange. We have a house. Our son has a house down in Camarillo, has the keys. It's been painted, I'm understanding. Nita's down there with her sister, with Carolyn Perry, uh, this weekend, uh, starting to put things together. But we're not actually going to be down there until the end of September. And I might be back over the weekends until March, so it, it, it's kind of a kind of a complicated situation, and um, uh, and I would like to say um, that our church is victorious right now. I praise God right now for the victory that we have. I praise God right now for how God is using our church to move forward to accomplish His will. And I praise the Lord for our pastor. I praise the Lord for our board. I praise the Lord for the vision that God is creating, even in our midst, even this very day. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Amen. And I got to praise Joseph, <clears throat> past his 90-day um, probationary period. So he's off probation, and he's going to be getting his anklet off pretty quick. And as soon as he gets his ankle monitor off, he's coming down to visit. Yeah, so that's a praise. Woo! Uh, anybody have any prayers? Wow, we got a praise morning. All right, any prayers? Okay, Wendy. My nephew, who's eight years younger than me, because it's my oldest sister's son, so he's, I was eight when she, when he was born, but he's going to be having a hip replacement surgery in August, on the um, 8th of August. He has some kind of disease in his hips that he's already had surgery on when he was nine, so now they're going to have to go in and do some more work on his hip. So just pray for him and my sister, who is going to be taking care of him. And he's not with God. What's his name? Joe. Joe. Yeah, Marianne. So he's not with God, but she's godly. So we're hoping we're that pray, God. Exactly. Spiritually and physically. Exactly. Thank awesome. You Thanks. Thanks, Wendy. Hey, that Joseph that yes, that was Joseph that went up. Yeah, he's, we still stay in contact. I went up there and I went and saw him. It was pretty cool. Any other prayers? Okay, raise your hand if you have an unspoken prayer request. All right, everybody look around. And so uh, we're going to put unspoken prayer requests, and we will lift each other up in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Wow, you, you're evident and moving among your people, and we know that, but what is amazing is that we're seeing it. And we're praising you as your body, Lord. Those prayers that are spoken for healing and, and for salvation, Lord, we lift up to you and we th say thank you for taking care of that. Those unknowns in our life, Lord, and that future, we're saying thank you for taking care of that. And Lord, those unspoken prayers that, that we just don't 
really know the words yet to say or or how to say it, Lord. We just ask that you, through your spirit, Lord, they would enter as a fragrant aroma into your presence, Lord, because we know that you hear us. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Would you please stand as we continue to worship? Oh, play. 
the book of Revelation, Jesus stands and, and in heaven it's asked who is worthy to open the scroll. And it's only Christ. He is the only one worthy. He's the only one worthy of our lives. He's the only one that is worthy of our worship. He is the only one that is worthy because he is creator of all. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the creator of all things seen and all things not seen. Through Christ, creation came into a reality. He is our revelation. And may we sing this as a response of worship to him. Praise to 
may be seated. Timmy, would you, or Janelle, would you come on up and pray for our offering? Well, good morning, church family. So good to be here. Just want to praise us for what we have been doing in offering. And um, I do want to say that through the recycling, just the plastics, we raised over $77. So I wanted to come in here with recyclables all stuck to me, but I didn't quite thought I should have pulled a kid for that. So, you know, we, we praise you for being such a giving church family. And we really thank you for that. We're going to put that towards children's ministries, finish paying off EBS, and put it on towards the other great things we got coming up. So keep it up. Keep bringing us your cans. We haven't turned the cans in yet. We just did the plastic. So. so let's pray and give God the praise for what we get. Lord, you are so, just so amazing. And what you can do with the little we give, God, you can just turn into such bountiful blessings and just bless so many people with it in so many ways, God. Help us to be cheerful givers, Lord. Help us to know that what we have is already yours anyway. And God, I just ask whatever that we receive here, we'll just reach out and be a blessing to this church, to the people that we reach out to, Lord, and just let it all be to the glory to you. In your name, amen. Amen. Because it's Family Sunday and we celebrate worship as a family, we're going to add something a little new. So I need everybody to... Test? Yes. So we're going to do something new, so I need everybody to put their hands together like this. Try that. Ready? So if I say a name, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Good. All right. Everybody gets one clap. You'll figure it out about halfway through. All right. So we have some birthdays that happened in July, and we want to celebrate them as a church family. So Aiden Roland, Ethan Ziegler. The United States of America, Lauren Shearbon, Benjamin Breedlove, Chavo Valencia, Mary Wilbanks, and tomorrow, Ken Morrow. And we have anniversaries. So we have Al and Timmy Holstein, Pastor Steve and Anita Mounts, Ken and Lori Morrow, and tomorrow, Mark and Debbie Wilbanks. And so now it's time to pass the peace. So you're geared up. Go say hi and happy birthday, happy anniversary to someone, even if it's not their birthday. So go and greet somebody and say hi. Yeah, oh, and Cortez.
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Before I hand it over to Pastor, I have a couple quick announcements for you. Um, so, a little change to our 24 hours of prayer. We're gonna um, we're gonna make a change to that. It's gonna be this Saturday. We're gonna do um, prayer time from one to five. So that's a little change to that. So we can kind of take a transitionary step, if you will. Uh, sometimes I just, um, what is that? My eyes were bigger than my stomach. You know that phrase? All right. So what I have experienced 24 hours of prayer, and I've seen it radically change and empower a local church. That we become not only a people of prayer, but we embrace it as a, as a, as a lifestyle. And that's my heart. Um, that said, it's hard to embrace something you have no idea. So what we're trying to do is, is a, an offer a taster. So we're going to set it up. There's five different stations. You come into the sanctuary and you just go around these stations. And there's prayer prompts. And you just come as you are and embrace the presence of God and draw near to him. And before we get into our tw next one, which will be 24 hours, we're going to go into it with a sermon series. And I'm excited to see what is going to uh, happen here in our, our Fresno First family. So we're doing four hours of God's people of prayer, one to five on Saturday. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. And then we've got Grow Group on Thursday. So that's going to be um, the book that's believe it's still some copies out there. Um, that's going to be Thursday, 630 here at the church. And then on the directory, um, I know Timmy's been getting some new directory information. So uh, if you need to update your information, see Pastor or Timmy. Um, we're not necessarily doing new pics. If you need a new picture, if it's really out of date, uh, we can work that out. But uh, yeah, if you have any new information, get that updated. And that's it. Thank you, Jordan. And if you have your uh, Bibles or apps, we're going to be landing in Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 14 this morning. In our pew Bibles, it's going to be on page 59. There are five primary human emotions that God gifts us to give life and color to, to our world as we interact, and that's joy and, and anger that's disgust, it's sadness, and it's fear. Each emotion that we have that God has gifted us has a purpose to bring forth the fullness of life when we allow them to express themselves through us within God's purposes. But there's a problem. When we begin to favor one or, or lead with one emotion at the sake of the others, for example, fear. Fear is a wonderful emotion, and, and God gave it to us with a very specific person. It, it warns us of danger. It warns us of threats. It's, it's that sense of awe. And it warns us of conflict. If I'm standing on the, on the edge of a cliff or edge of a skyscraper, and I'm looking straight down, that little bit of fear in me is saying, like, that's a long way down, and that's a threat. That's a healthy fear. You know, the, but we have to understand also the, there's fears associated with anxiety, nervousness, 
Fear is associated with dropping us into a, a mentality of survival only where we eke out an existence one day at a time and fear can be paralyzing in our life and take control of us. See, there's a simple truth that we need to remember. Fear can become a habit. Fear can become a habit. Fear can become a habit. And fear is a habit. It hijacks our life. And it's a habit that needs to be broken. But there's good news. Faith can become a habit. Faith can become a habit. Faith can become a habit. And when faith becomes a habit, we grow in our relationship with the Lord. We grow in our relationship with others. And we grow in maturity in Christ as we follow him. And it's important for us as we journey with Jesus. And it's also important to understand about this. See, an example I'm going to be using probably forever, and y'all are going to be sick of it, but it's a motorcycle illustration. And if I'm going down the road and there's an obstacle in the road, say there's a rock or a boulder in the road. And if I look at that boulder, guaranteed I'm going to hit it square with my front tire. We naturally, the way God created us, we are in motion. Our lives are in motion. And wherever we place our focus and wherever we place our attention, whether we're riding a motorcycle, whether we're walking, whether we're running, whether we're driving a car, where we look, where we focus, where we fix our attention, that is where we're going to go. See, I, I learned an, an important hazard in, in staying upright on my bike. Is if I, if I don't want to crash and there's an obstacle in the road, I begin to look at the other than. I, I know that the rock is there. I know there's a problem there. I know there's an obstacle there in my way. And I look at other than that obstacle, knowing where the obstacle is at all times. And in that, I have safe passage around it. I don't get fixated on a problem. I don't get fixated on the, on the, <clears throat> on the uh, obstacle. I don't get fixated on the fear of what could happen if, if that happens and I crash. It's kept me alive. And the thing is, it can be applied to our spiritual life. Where we face, where we focus, leads us spiritually. If all we do is focus our eyes on the problems, then our problems are going to become our God. And until we learn to refocus our eyes upon other than, which is holiness, other than, right? And when, until we begin to focus our, our life upon Christ, upon God, then our problems are going to be insurmountable and we're going to run square into them. But when we do, there is a sweetness in our life and the fullness of life in which God created us that we begin to grow in his care and we begin to trust in his protection. If you're able, would you please stand for reading of God's word? <clears throat> Exodus chapter 14, verses 14, 10 through 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? 
It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. You have seen that the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. This has been the word of the Lord. And all of God's people said, thanks be to God. You may be seated. See, the nation of Israel was recently freed from the yoke of slavery under the Egyptians by God. And now God has led them toward the promised land and, and on the way had them go ahead and camp on the edge of the Red Sea. While they're in camp, they look up and they see Pharaoh and his army coming down fast and hard. And they're facing their fear. And rightly so. See, it's easy to dismiss the, the Israelites, and oftentimes we do in our modern day, as lacking fear, as, as messing up, as, as not following or listening to God's commands. Sometimes we'll even say when, when we read things in Scripture like this in the Old Testament, you know what, had I been there, and we may not say it out loud, maybe in our minds, had I been there, and I had seen all the might and power that God had done at the plagues and how he freed us and conquered the Pharaoh and freed us from the yoke of slavery. Faith over fear, baby, all the way, all day. You know what? That, that sounds nice. But let's go ahead and recap what is happening to the Israelites in their context. It's a little humbling. You see, Pharaoh's army is marching toward them. Scripture's clear. They're terrified. They're experiencing fear. We also have to understand the Israelites have been in slavery for four, or have been in Egypt for 450 years. That's longer than the United States has been around, correct? So a lot longer than that. And during that 450 years, they were put into slavery. Those camping on the edge of the Red Sea only knew slavery. They never knew freedom. They only knew Egyptian culture. They knew very little about God except what he did with the plagues and the oral tradition that was handed down by the elders. They didn't know church. In fact, wasn't that was part of the thing Moses was saying? Let us go into the desert so we can worship. Because they weren't worshiping there. They didn't have a culture of worship. They were embedded and ingrained in society of Egypt as slaves. They only knew the whip of the slave masters. They only knew fear. They only knew survival. They only knew the imprisonment in which their lives were born into as their existence. And they only knew this because it was passed on generationally. They were enslaved, just like their parents, just like their grandparents, just like their great-grandparents. And when you begin to think about that, that they don't know this God that's saving them very well, they don't know this promised land, which is more of a theory than a reality that God is taking them, is it no wonder they were trying, it was kind of hard for them to let go of the familiar? 
Think of it this way. We started this morning with you have survived every single day and every single obstacle in your life 100% up until this time. We can say the same thing about the Israelites. And the thing is, is their lives, all they knew was they had survived slavery 100% of every single day of their lives up until this point. That is familiar. And so they consider their alternative. And they, they go and they cry out to Moses, Did you bring us out into the desert to die? Why did you even bring us out of slavery? Would it have been better off living as slaves than living in freedom? Let's just surrender ourselves, give up, and then go back to what's familiar, go back to our old habits, go back to our old lives. You see, when fear becomes a habit, we forget that there's a solution. We forget about God. And we begin to, to look for the fastest, we look for the easiest, and we look for the most comfortable way that we are familiar with to survive one more day. There's no judgment in that. It's a reality when fear becomes our life. You see, the, the, the Israelites looked to Pharaoh and they were reminded of, of what was. And, and, and what was seems to be a lot better than being completely cut down or being drowned in the Red Sea. It can, seems like what was was better than what I don't know. Because they don't know. So the Israelites look to Moses as God's representative, and what do they do? They start blaming him, and they start questioning him because their fear has become a habit. And Moses does what he's called to do as God's representative, and he shifts their focus away from their problems and away from slavery. He shifts their problems away from their old life, away from their old habits, and away from the familiar. And Moses reminds them, God has delivered you. God will protect you. Be still. You got to remember, they were, God just did all these things. And now they're still like this. They're still living in fear because they just don't know yet. You know, and it's not just the Israelites that experience fear. We experience fear as well. And I'm not speaking of, of the healthy fear as a gift from God with singles, danger, and threats, and awe, and, and conflicts. I'm talking about fear as a habit that stunts our growth in faith. It isolates us from God's purposes in our life. It keeps us from fellowshipping with others, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it has us keep looking at our problems. Instead of looking at the solution, which is God. You know, whether we're new to faith in Christ or whether we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior decades ago. When we have a habit of fear in our lives, it becomes paralyzing. It overtakes us. You know, there, there was a time in our lives that we didn't seek God out. That all that we knew and all we did was familiar to us. And it's what we knew. It's what we were taught. Um, we sought out the familiar. We sought out what was comfortable. Um, because whatever was comfortable, whatever we, life we had, that's the only life we knew. And because of that, 
whatever our heart's desires were at that time without God, whatever we are seeking, well, that was better than the unknown of what could be because the unknown can be scary. It can be terrifying. You know, think of a, bring it real. Think of a battered wife who refuses the protection and safety for her and her children to get out from under her abuser. Day in and day out, she submits to a life imprisoned by the familiar because she, can ex she knows how to expect the next assault. She knows how to expect the next insult. She knows what direction it's going to come from, and she has learned to survive every single day in that. She has learned the language, she has learned the culture, and she reaches to the point where she can't imagine a different life. She's held hostage to, and imprisoned in that. You know, in our lives, there are agents that are a little more subtle and a little less obvious that do the exact same thing. They distract us from looking to God and ultimately begin to pull us back into our old habits. They begin to pull us back into our old lives. They begin to pull us back into a habit of fear and our problems. Addiction. Workaholism. Trauma. Codependency. Religious legalism. Lust. Perfectionism. And materialism are just to name a few of these very subtle ways in which the old life, the pharaohs, begin to grab us and try to hold and bring us back. See, there's times in life circumstances that, that we may feel that we're standing on the abyss, that we're on the edge of the Red Sea, and we're facing out into the unknown, thinking my problems, my old life, my old habits are marching down upon me, and I've got no escape. And it can feel overwhelming. And instead of looking to, to God, we may go ahead like the Israelites did. And they kind of give a plea out to God and they go straight to Moses. And we begin to fix our eyes on the problems. They looked up. They didn't look to God. They looked at their problems. And it's the same lesson that we learned from riding the motorcycle. When the Israelites were fixing their eyes on their problems, when we fix our eyes on our problems and are marching toward, toward us, we are headed directly to our problems, just like a rock when I'm riding my bike. And like the Israelites, we begin to say with our problems, with our habits, with our old life, and those things in which God delivered us from, we may say, why did I think I could give that up? And you fill in the blank. How am I supposed to get through this life without? Fill in the blank. I don't want a new life. And I don't want to give up my old life. I just want to feel comfortable. And I just want to be a better person. But I want to keep my old patterns. I want to keep my old life. I want to keep my old habits. Because that's what's familiar. I just kind of want to surrender to my old habits. Because there's no escape in it. It's coming to me. I want to go back to what's familiar. Because it might not be good, but it's what I know. And then like a rock in the road, we hit it. 
You know, and then there are some, like the nation of Israel, they didn't look to God, they just looked to Moses. And, and there are some of us that just look to religion and religious leaders to tell us on what to do and how to think and how to live. To how to think about life, to how to think about God, to how to think about scriptures. We just, we trade the slave of lawlessness to the slave of religious legalism and rules. Instead of missing the heart of what God desires. And when we do that, we're just trading one master for the next and we insulate and we isolate ourselves with good thoughts and prayers whistling past the graveyard because all we're doing is trading one fear for the next. Both are come from a place and a habit of fear. I think everybody knows my heart as a pastor. I'm the, one of the biggest advocates that I've met for the local church. I love the body of Christ. I adore organized religion and the, Jesus saved me by using the body of Christ to revealing God's love. I've got no issue. The bride of Christ is the most beautiful thing God ever created. My concern is when we as believers begin to turn religious leaders or even God's word into an idol of worship. The psalmist in Psalm 40 verse 6 warns us of this. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Satan knows scriptures. And just because someone's on TV or on the radio or even up on a platform, there's no reason that anybody should be put up on a pedestal, idolized, and never questioned, including myself. When we do that, when we do we begin to place one master for another. Neither are God. Neither are going to save us. And it comes from a place of fear. So what do we do? What do we do with this? Let's look how God redirects the nation of Israel to look from their it problems and then onto the solution, which is him. The, Israel, the Israelites look to God because God reveals himself to where he can be seen. If you want to know where God is, open your eyes. God is at work in the lives of his people and he wants what's best for us and best for them even when we don't realize it, even when we don't know it, even when we don't... Sometimes we just push against it. Because after God freed the nation of Israel, they, when we read scripture, they armed themselves for battle to go fight the Egyptians. God, knowing their hearts, protected them from themselves by his grace, his love, and his mercy. God knew that if the Israelites faced war, if the Israelites faced their problem, if the Israelites faced their old life, if the Israelites faced their old familiar ways and habits, they would want to return to Egypt. And they would want to go back to their old life. God knew it was too much too soon, and, and he needed them to grow in faith by looking to him. They needed them to grow together as his people. And, and he, they did when they began to follow God to the promised land. He needed them to grow in faith to overcome their habit of fear. He needed them to grow in trust that God was their defender. They needed to be still and learn that they could surrender to God. And they could surrender to stop fighting. And the Lord would be their protector. They need to know that when life gives them no other options but to drown in the Red Sea or get slaughtered by the Pharaoh, that God himself gives a third option. That God himself is the last word. 
And since the Israelites had difficulty breaking their old habits and, and they had this new kind of stunted spiritual growth, God revealed himself where they could be seen and reminded them that he is their God. Not Pharaoh, not fear, not their old life, not Moses, not any other created thing. God and God alone is their God. And he directs them to look at him instead of their problems. And he does so as a pillar of fire all night long, vigilantly blocking Pharaoh and the old life of the Israelites from even being seen. When the Israelites are frozen in terror at their old life, returning by literal force, God moves between the Israelites and Pharaoh. God shields his people from focusing on their problems and moves to a place where they can focus on him alone and reminds them that he will take care of them by that. God actions speak with his words. See, they overcome their habits in old life and and they do that because God opened up the pathway. They didn't swim across the Red Sea. They didn't just dive in. When the nation of Israel had no escape, God became their escape, their refuge, their strength, their hope. And through the power of God, the Red Sea and the nation of Israel, they crossed as though they were on dry ground. And, and although we like to look at this and, and champion this miracle of the Red Sea as just being like this really, really cool thing that we, that we like to share, I think that there's a bigger miracle here, and that's God's purposes. See, God rescues the nation of Israel not from their problems, but to himself. He begins to replace their habit of fear with habits of faith. And God's movements reveal that he is bigger than than just dividing the water to offer a safe passage just to us to escape our problems. When God saves his people to himself, he blocks their old lives from ever catching up to them again. God didn't just remove their problems. He removed a pathway for their problems and their old life to reach them. God stated through Moses, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. That old life of slavery, that old life, those old habits, that, that slave master, all those things that are familiar, you're never going to see them again. Your problems are no longer your plague. God is giving them a new freedom as a gift and a new life, and then blocks their problems from their focus, offers a pathway out of slavery and certain death, and cleanses the nation of Israel by clearing away their past, clearing away the toxic influences that on their lives, and then blocks the way from the past to reach his people by removing it completely. And then we look at God and this, this miracle that he shows that begins to grow their faith in him. We, they learned a new life. By walking with God, they learned new habits. By walking with God, they replaced the, their fear with faith, guilt with forgiveness, slavery for freedom. And emptiness of the soul was filled with the presence of God. God didn't just part the Red Sea. He shows them the fullness of life and a life of, the, of his people with their God. With him as the focus. 
and him as the purpose of their lives. And he does the same for us. God calls us to look at him. When we're tempted to take our eyes off of Christ, God reveals to us where he can be seen if we're willing to look for him. God loves us enough to give us that freedom. See, especially when old habits and all that we know and all that familiar, it's natural for us to go ahead and sometimes get reminiscent or remember, want to go back to those old life, those old ways, those old problems. We say, maybe we want to go back, you know, because that's what we're used to. Because, you know, it worked, not all the time, but it worked enough to get me through that I could survive just one more day. So I'm just going to leave that door jar to my old life that excludes God and Him being the focus of it. See, God wants more for us in our life than our old habits and, and our old life and problems. God wants to embrace and grow in faith in him by having habits of faith and faithful habits. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 shares, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that would entangle and hinder us, the sin, the sin that so easily, and easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus as the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. God calls us to look at him, to fix our eyes on him, who is the source and the protective of our faith. God calls us to look at him as we journey in faith in the correct direction, like the Israelites. He marked out a path and they just had to follow. God does the same for us. He marks out a path and we just need to and we have to trust that he is going to block and cover our backs. We don't have to watch our backs when we follow Jesus. Amen. Jesus is perfectly capable of watching it for us. And we need to remember, you know, just like the motorcycle, when we fo focus on our obstacles, we're going to run into them. If we want to crash our faith, take your eyes off of God and turn it back on to your old life. Turn it on to religious legalism and rules and old habits and problems. God calls us to reorient our focus from all of that into Jesus. And we do it by investing into the heart of God, by turning our lives over to his care. But what does that look like? What's the practical aspect? What does it look like to say like, okay, God, I'm going to turn my life over to your care. Has anybody here ever been to the doctor? Okay, most of us. If you go to the doctor, you turn your care over to the doctor. Doctor says, take this medication, don't eat this anymore, exercise, get sleep. And then you leave. The doctor's not going to come into your house and cook your dinner. Not, doctor's not going to read your bedtime story, and the doctor's not going to give you your medication. That's your responsibility if you turn your care over to the doctor. It's really practical, and God does the same thing for us. See, <clears throat> when we turn our care over to God, it means we need to listen and follow his advice. It, he gives us the responsibility to read his word, to fellowship, to pray, to be of service, and to practice following Jesus in all of our affairs. It means that if we want to develop habits of faith and faithful habits, we engage in Bible studies like we have on Wednesday nights at the basic Bible study. If we want to work on our prayer and practice being in prayer, we show up on Tuesday mornings at our time and our, we have our prayer meeting. If... <clears throat> If we want to stay connected and stay in fellowship, we stay connected and we call each other. 
That's our responsibility. If we want to put our, the, our lives in the care of God. When we put our lives in the care of God, we learn to, to grow in our faith and we learn to read books that challenge and inspire our, our, our spiritual life. We begin to have holy conversations about God and, and begin to talk about how do we better live this life following Jesus in this world that we live in right now because none of us were made to go ahead and be on this journey alone. And we begin to look for areas of service even when we don't want to do them. Putting our lives in the care of God is uncomfortable. Putting our lives in the care of God can be unknown. Putting our lives in the care of God can be unfamiliar at times. But we have a God that stands in the way and blocks our problems and our old life and our old habits from reaching us. We have a God that promises to protect and care for us, and he has done so for every single person in this room, every single day of every moment of your life. God has protected you. God has watched over you, and God loves you. As much as the unknown, I'll take a known God and follow him in the unknown than to ever go back to my old life. We need to remember God is bigger than our problems. And if we're willing to open our eyes and our hearts, then we together as his people, as we stand on the edge of our Red Seas, can journey together as God continues to save us to himself, removing our old life and our old habits and all that would block the fullness of life that comes by faith in Christ. So our challenge this week where are you most focused? Problems, legalism, or God? How are you investing to grow in, typo, the care of God? And these questions are all in the bulletin on the backside. Are you engaging in Bible study, prayer meetings, service, holy conversation, and book readings? And if you aren't, why? And then what's one action you can take this week to focus on growing in the care of God? You see, this, this morning we have an opportunity as a family to join in communion and participate in that sacrament as God's image restores us more and more as we join together with Him and one another in the body and the blood of Christ. See, the table is open and by participating in communion, it is a public declaration of faith that you believe that Jesus is your Lord and the Savior of your life. So if you will, let's begin to prepare our hearts with the reading of God's word. Please stand for Matthew 26, 26 through 30. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And to further prepare our hearts, let us in one voice, in one spirit, recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yes, I did mess it up. <laughs> the table is open. We ask that you come forward. Take of the blood and the body. Return to your seats so we can all partake together as one family.
as we partake together as one body. The body of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of sins. May it keep you pure unto everlasting life. The body of Christ broke open for the world and this is the body of Christ that is to be breaking open and forth, revealing Christ to the world. Take and eat in remembrance of him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch.